Welcome to the Rise Method podcast where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve, let's jump in. So before we get started with this podcast, just for some context, this audio is actually from a live video that was broadcast to our Facebook group. So there might be some awkward pauses and times where we're waiting for questions. So um, if you want to go actually watch that video, you can head on over to our Facebook community group. So just type in Rise Method Community Hub and you can actually watch the live video as it comes out uh, or you can just tune in and listen to it now. Enjoy. Hey folks, Steve here and welcome to this week's live question question answer where I'll be able to answer any of your questions live. So folks, if you are tuning live from our Facebook group, I'd love for you to leave me a comment down below. Let me know that you're watching live. Maybe give me a thumbs up, liking this post just to help spread the post out for folks who want to watch this and and tune in live and maybe they're just searching for it right now. And this video is also going to be converted into a podcast. So if you are watching or listening uh, to it on a podcast later this week after the recording here, you can actually watch the video version on our Facebook group, which we're tuning in live. So a little bit of a meta chat there talking in the future about the past, which is now. (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about my experience running a marathon and some of the lessons that I learned from running that marathon and how I actually still use it today with my own training. That's to save you from running a marathon and going through those experiences, unless you want to run a marathon, it's really cool, really fun. Interesting time in my life. Um, but you might take away a few of those lessons here. And of course, uh, if you have any questions for me at any time, I'd love to be able to give you an answer. You can leave a comment down below and we can chat about uh, the, the topic or the idea that you bring up to the table. So we're going to talk about three lessons that I learned throughout my time running a marathon. Now I want to tell you a little bit of a story about how the marathon came to be. Um, and the reason why I was talking about it today. So just a few days ago, I made a post into this Facebook group here about a uh, change of identity. So I was talking about how the the biggest way to change uh, our, our, our life is to change our identity. And we can change our identity by changing the self-talk that we have, the words that we use to describe ourselves in our, in our mind. And often the words that we describe ourselves as, it, it can be the limiting factor to our change and our progression. So for me, I would always say that I was I was not a runner. So I was never a runner. So going through all through my teenage years, being in high school, uh, I, I wasn't a runner. Not not a runner. I didn't like running. Just not who I was. Uh, I did like exercising. I did like uh, going to the gym. I did like lifting weights. Graham says love the positive vibes you bring, bro. Rock on, Graham. Um, man, we should catch up. It's been it's been a while. Anyway, I digress. Um, so I used to love lifting weights, even with Graham in the gym. So Graham and I used to work together at uh, KCR down in the southeast of Melbourne. And I used to love lifting weights, I loved getting into the gym, and I loved doing things like squats and deadlifts, leg press, all the good stuff. But running, no, not for me. And I would use that identity, and I'd say, nah, I don't do that, I don't run. And that was actually something that, that held me back from running. And part of this story is that through high school, I actually uh, ruptured my ACL. So I was playing uh, lacrosse in high school, year 12. Uh, first game of the season, ruptured my ACL. Uh, the defender fell on my leg, popped like a shotgun, went off. The most intense pain of in my life. Um, and I actually just walked it off. So I, uh, using a bandage, I just bandaged up really tight and I would just walk it off. And, you know, I went and saw a, a GP and he did a few tests and he goes, yeah, well, you've done something to your knee. Okay, great, happy days. When I saw a physio, they misdiagnosed it and I learned how to manage my symptoms and for the next about five years after that ACL rupture, um, so I was 18 at the time, 
17 technically. Hi, Karen. How you doing? Um, I learned how to manage those symptoms. So I learned how to, you know, just do a little bit of stretching or some massage into my, my thighs, a bit of foam rolling, a little bit of uh, preemptive exercise. Um, and I learned how to walk on it so it didn't trigger the pain. And because I was in the gym doing very static movements like squats, deadlifts, uh, I didn't require the ACL, which meant, which is a, ten, uh, a ligament that helps us to change direction. So it helps to our, our leg hold onto our shin bone. So because I wasn't changing direction or using very quick changes in my knee, I was totally fine. Uh, and then it wasn't until I was actually going through my master's degree that I went and uh, got more treatment on my lower legs, especially my knee, because I got this really deep burning sensation in my knee when I was walking around. I was like, something's not quite right, and I kept on like clicking and stuff like that and popping and that type of thing. When I got the MRI done, uh, ACL rupture, okay, cool. So what do I do? Mm, I, I was young, I was fit, I was athletic. I was like, all right, well, uh, let's have the reconstruction because I knew that I would respond well to that and I would recover well. And lo and behold, I had the reconstruction, and this was in February 2017. Um, and because I was studying osteopathy and I knew how to rehab myself, my rehab was very quick. So, um, I was very adamant. I wanted to get back into exercise, back into training. My rehab was quite quick, progressive, progressive, and I was back in the gym quite quickly until, um, I was, uh, in the gym training and someone goes, Oh, wow, you know, you're back in, in back training really well. Awesome. That's cool. Uh, have you started running yet? And this is more of an open question to me. Have you started running yet? And I was like, well, no, I actually haven't really tried that. It's not something I do. And that kind of stuck with me. I was like, well, I should test it. I should see if I can run. You know, I have, I've been avoiding running. I haven't been running. It's not what I call myself. So I started to say, well, yeah, like, let's, let's go test it. So, um, I remember I put a hoodie on and I went, I went for a run around the block. I was like, well, how, how hard could it be? <laughs> and it was very, very challenging. I remember it took me a really long time to go around the hill, around the block. Um, I came back home to my house and, and, uh, my, I had like lots of lower back pain, my, my feet hurt, my, my knees hurt, both of them, my hips hurt, everything was kind of hurt, it was uncomfortable, didn't like it. Um, and I was like, well, shit, I'd be a pretty crappy osteo if I couldn't rehab myself. So I went again and again and again and again and again and again um, until I started to enjoy running and I became the runner and I was at Steve the runner. So I spent less time in the gym, so I was starting to prioritize running over going to the gym um, and... Uh, after 10 months of my, my surgery, so February was my surgery, I actually got cleared to start exercising from a, a, a surgeon around June. So fe February, June was when he was saying, oh yeah, you can probably start running and doing athletics, uh, stuff like that. Okay, great. Um, it was around June, July, and then uh, October, I ran the Melbourne Marathon. So it was 42.2 kilometers. So very steep learning curve of running and endurance events. And I learned a lot about, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, running, programming, the nutrition side of endurance events, and then actually the mental side of running and endurance events. Okay. So that was a nutshell of my experience in running a marathon. And I'm not too different from you guys. So, uh, you know, I, yes, I, I was able to do that training just in a, in a few months. Um, but I'm no, you know, superhuman. I'm just, I'm just like you guys. Um, but I was just very steadfast in this was something I needed to do to prove to myself that I would be a good osteo, but then prove to myself that, Hey, I've signed up for this damn thing. I'm going to go down and do, do the damn thing. And because I changed my identity, I'm now a runner. This is something that runners do. They run marathons. <laughs> so I did. All right. So here are some things that I learned through my experience with running this marathon or leading up to the marathon. So firstly, I learned that the hardest part in doing the damn thing is the start. The hardest part is the start. And if you've been listening to some of the podcast episodes just a few episodes ago, I talked about how I didn't want to train. I was literally staying kind of very similar to where I am now in recording this live. And I didn't really want to train. I was looking at my squat rack behind me. I didn't want to train. Okay. 
well, what did I do? All right, I had, I was, I was ready to go. I had some pre-workout. I had everything changed. I was in the gym. I was ready to go. The hardest part was actually getting here. Didn't want to do it, but I ended up doing it and doing my whole session. Where I lived, there was a post office box, you know, the red Australia post boxes towards the end of my street. So it was maybe like, you know, kind of like two or three streets away. And I would tell myself, all right, Steve, the job today is just to get to the Australia post box. And if you don't want to keep going, you could turn around and come home, right? And that was maybe like two or three minutes into my run. So what I would do is I'd, I'd be at home. All right, well, all right, let's let's just get changed. I'll put the shoes on. Um, I got my music going. Um, I'll kind of get all my kind of uh, pre-run nutrition on point, and then I'm at the door. And if I get to the letterbox, and I decide I don't want to do it anymore, I'll turn around and come back. And lo and behold, I I, I never turned around and came back. The hardest part was actually getting the shoes on. The hardest part was getting out the door. The hardest part was just starting the run. And then by the time I was, you know, two or three minutes into the run, I was at the letterbox. I was like, well, you know, it's only another like five minutes down the road and then another like five minutes and I'm at the, the traffic lights and another like 10 minutes and then I'm, I'm basically at the top of the hill and then another 20 minutes and I'm home. Well, it's basically done, right? So that's how I kind of built up this bigger event of running a marathon was, well, it's just the start. The hardest part is the start. And I still do this today. So when I don't want to train, when I say, okay, well, geez, it's going to be like an hour of, of, of training. I've got, you know, legs to do. I've got, you know, the, the peak of my meso cycle or something. What am I going to do? All right. Let's get some shoes on. Let's get some clothes on. Let's just eat some food. Let's, uh, you know, drink some water. Let's get into a gym environment. And maybe you do just one set or one exercise. And that's it. You can call it a day after that. And you probably find that after you do just one set, one exercise, one prescription, it is harder to stop than it is just to keep on going. So that's my big tip to you. It's something that I, I learned through that experience is the hardest part is the start. Once you're there, away you go. It's harder to stop. So that's number one. Number two was actually a injury related thing. And this is all about load management. So in my first couple of weeks of starting running, I experienced a lot of back pain, a lot of hip pain, which I was not uh, used to, and uh, a lot of heel pain. Okay. Um, some folks might call it plantar fasciitis, plantar fasciopathy, heel pain, pain, bony spurs, whatever it was. It wasn't obvious what was causing it in my heel, uh, but it was really painful in the morning. Uh, it would take a long time for it to wear up. Uh, it would start on when I start running again and it wasn't fun. Okay. So what did I do about this? Well, uh, you know, I could have looked at my running style. I could have looked at my shoes. Um, I could have looked at um, you know, the, the, the muscles that I was using while I was running or my range of motion that I had or my mobility and all this type of stuff. And yeah, they played a part in it. But the biggest factor of all of this was load management. For me, I was eager to get to a level where I could do the marathon. So I pushed myself very quickly. So within the first couple of weeks, I was running 5Ks, I was running 10Ks just around the block. And my volume rapidly increased where I was running on average about 50 kilometers per week. That's a lot, right? Going from zero to 50 kilometers in just a, within like a month was a lot. Um, so I was doing too much too quickly. My mind was ready to do it. I had some fitness like background. I was, I, was, I was eager to do it, but my body wasn't ready for the load of running. I wasn't ready there. So things like my tendons hadn't adapted yet. My fascia hadn't adapted yet. My muscle hadn't adapted yet. My joints, my ligaments, uh, everything in between hadn't adapted yet. So the load was too much too soon. So... Whenever I experience 
pain now, you know, if I kind of feel that lower back kind of tweak or my hip tweak or, you know, my calf the other day was like, what the hell's going on? It always comes back to load management. How much are you doing? Are you doing too much too quickly too soon? And we look at load as in the overall stresses that we're applying in our body. So whenever I have experiences of, let's say, back pain, it's often other things happening in my life. I've got exams at uni. I've got pressures with business and work and other commitments. I've got pressures of family life and kids who are sick and unwell and those types of things. I'm not sleeping well. I'm stressed. I'm, you know, mortgages due, whatever it is. So other things that are stressing me, plus I'm trying to maintain my normal lifting, that's when I experience a bout of pain, okay? When he says pacing yourself makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. So what I needed to do was I needed to track data. So I couldn't just make a guess and go, well, uh, I could just drop a day of running. Well, I needed to collect data. How much volume am I doing the distance? What intensity is it? You know, a 5K where I'm trying to, you know, break that 20 clock, uh, 20 minute 5k barrier versus a 10k where I'm just trying to cruise through it or I'm trying to practice a half marathon. They're very different, like paces, very different effort requirements. So it's hard to measure it all being like, well, how much volume am I doing? So I needed to find ways to measure that. Part of it was the, the distance, how much, uh, distance I was traveling in my feet. Part of it was trying to, uh, quantify the intensity that I was doing and then trying to quantify my recoverability, recoverability. And that was often to do with how motivated I was. So if I was really motivated and eager to go and train, okay, yeah, I'm feeling good. But if I was at a point where I'm like, no, I, I, I don't want to do this, that often for me was representative that, okay, you've probably accumulated some fatigue. We might need to auto regulate. And some of those days when I got to the red leather box, I mightn't have done my entire, you know, 10, 15 kilometer of that day. I might be like, oh, I might cut it short because it would be a wise decision to make in balancing that volume. Okay. So number one was, uh, hardest part was starting. Number two was load management. And if you're experiencing pain, discomfort, you know, the, the sore knee, the sore back, uh, which a lot of folks doing the rise method right now are messaging me and talking to me about, often it is about load management. And sometimes if it's something like a sore knee, your maximum load is, you know, a bodyweight squat. You aren't able to bend the knee all the way so that the calf is up against the hamstring and then stand back up. You don't have that strength yet. So we need to regress it even further. So if you find things like a lunge painful, maybe a lunge is too much volume and you need to regress that. And that's okay to regress that because then we build back up. So we regress to build and that's fine. The final thing I learned was a very fascinating observation that happened in my body where I lost a lot of weight. So at the time, uh, mind you, I was post ACL reconstruction. I uh, had a, a brace on my leg for quite some time and I had to slowly build up my activity level back to where I was before. And I did actually put on a bit of weight through this period, which could be expected. So when I was first starting the running experience, I was very close to about 100 kilos. So very similar body weight to what I am now but a lot less muscle at this time. This was, you know, six years ago, yeah? Uh, so I was a little bit overweight, actually. Uh, and when I started running, I dropped a lot of weight really quickly. And mind you, at the time, I was eating a lot. I was hungry all the time. And at the time, I didn't have a really good understanding of nutrition like I do now. So I was 
kind of an idea of the calories that I was consuming, but I also didn't really care. I was just consuming food because I was hungry, right? Um, after my runs, I'd be munching on cereals and then big bowls of pasta and looking for desserts after that. So I was consuming lots of food. And, and on average, from my calculations, I was consuming around three to 4,000 calories per day. Plus, I was doing about 50 kilometers or so of running. And on average, I was doing about 20,000 steps per day. And that was just from a, um, a little Fitbit that I had. So I had lots of physical activity, lots of food intake, and I was dropping weight very quickly. And now upon reflection, you know, regardless of the food that I ate, it wouldn't be, quote, clean food. It was voluminous, caloric, dense food. I was eating lots of calories. I was doing a high amount of energy, but I was still losing weight. So uh, this kind of taught me that, you know, the calories and the food that we that we consume, yes, there are more nutritious foods, yeah, fruits, vegetables, go wild, but we can also change our body weight very quickly by just managing our calories, keeping track of it. And you can have a high caloric intake if your energy expenditure is really high as well, which I observed in my body, where I was eating a lot of calories, but I was also having a really high energy expenditure level. So my, my body was just metabolizing uh, body fat just to, just to keep on going, right? What I also found on the other side was that I got very weak in the gym. So there was a couple of times where I would go and train in the gym with my buddy and some of the weights that I was using before, I was able to do, let's say, argument's sake, squats, 100 kilos for 10 reps. I was struggling at 80 kilos for five reps. Like I just lost a lot of strength very quickly and thus a lot of muscle. So what happened was I adapted to running very quickly. So my body was like, well, Steve, you don't need this excess of muscle and body weight because you're running, we're just going to get rid of it all. So I lost a lot of body weight, as that includes muscle um, and then body fat. So I was cruising around about 100 kilos. And over that, that period of that three to four months of training for the marathon, I got down to the low 80s. So I was about 83 or so, um, which was awesome, right? But I was also very skinny. And uh, it was great to be lean, but I didn't have have the same muscle strength that I had previously. And it took me a while to build that back up. So what do we learn about that now? One, we know that calories are king. If you want to manipulate your body weight, you need to be in a position where you are managing your caloric intake and then finding a point where we can maintain our calorie intake, increasing our energy expenditure so that we're in this energy deficit so that we can lose body weight. If you want to lose body weight, you can. Probably the most effective way is to start running right? Uh, because your body will adapt to that. You'll become lighter because your body needs to be lighter to be able to run long distances. But the trade-off is that you'll probably lose some muscle mass with that. So for me, I was lean or slim, but I wasn't happy with the size of my legs and my arms and my, my midsection. Like I, I didn't have a six pack. I wasn't that lean, but I was also skinny. So uh, there's some of the trade-offs where we use. And when we look at nutrition now and even some of the prescription methods that we use in the RISE method, and even previous versions of the challenge, you could see that there is a balance of calories where it's not too low, where we're just losing body weight and we're risking muscle loss. And we're not focusing purely on calories, because, uh, sorry, purely on uh, cardio and energy expenditure through steps uh, because, you know, we can lose lots of body weight, but we reach a point where we need some muscle mass to maintain our metabolism so that we can keep on moving forward and develop a physique that we want, where we want some shape, we want some tone, we want some, uh, you know, that look where we're going, hey, you actually go to a gym, you're not just skinny.
Okay. So there are three uh, lessons that I learned while I was training for my marathon and that I still use today and help me to understand and learn those concepts. Of course, there were other little things in between that I, that I learned and picked up along the way. Uh, definitely an experience running that marathon. And um, one of the most eye-opening experiences that I had was watching some of the folks ahead of me. So I'm running uh, in the marathon, it's game day, and ahead of me are people that are much older than me, uh, much more out of shape than me, and they're there ahead of me. So it highlighted that running is something we can adapt to, and we can have different body shapes and different ages, um, but you know, here I am like a fitness guy, and there are folks ahead of me, twice my age, twice my body weight, different shapes, all the things. So anyone can do it. Um, and I think that having run that marathon, I think most of us can arrive on game day and just run it. It is a big mental thing. Um, yeah, you probably won't enjoy it. You'll probably be wrecked afterwards, uh, but I'm sure many of us can run it. 42.2 kilometers. I might take you a few hours, <laughs> um, but you can definitely do it. But look, folks. That's enough of me rambling on. I now pass it on to you. So it's now 7.20. So for the next 10 minutes, I'd love to be able to give you an answer if you have any questions or queries or doubtful points. Um, I'll be on till about 7.30 where um, we could talk about anything related to fitness, health, the challenge, or anything in between. Uh, I can see that Karen says hi and Wendy's talking about pacing ourselves. Um, and yeah, pass it on to, to you guys. So if you are tuning in just now, um, we have been speaking about my experiences with running a marathon <laughs> um, and how, you know, with a change of identity, calling myself a runner, I was able just to make it part of what I do. Uh, it did challenge a few, um, you know, relationships, friendships, um, and situations where that became a priority. Hey, I am a runner. I'm going to do this thing. Everything else just, just didn't matter anymore. Um, so for some of us, that is a big shift and we can't experience that again. So for me right now, um, you know, I've got two young kids and I couldn't just say, this is what I'm going to do and push everything onto the side. Sure you could, but you know, you've got other responsibilities. So you might have, you know, job commitments, um, you know, family commitments, social commitments, those types of things. You might not be able to do a really drastic thing like that. Um, and that's okay, right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not something that, uh, is, is, is wise or, or clever because we, it's a very big and drastic change that affects lots of, lots of moving parts. Um, and now I actually, after running that marathon, I was kind of like, well, I did it. I'm kind of not excited about it as much. And now I actually don't, I don't run again as, as often. So that identity shifted again. Um, so now again, I'm back to, you know, lifting weights. That's something that I really enjoy, really thoroughly enjoy. Um, and, Hopefully you guys can see that in some of the content that I, that I produce. So it's okay to try different things and experience different things. Like, you know, you want to get into boxing, great, go wild. And if you give, commit to it after, you know, three, six months, you might go, well, yeah, I've given it a go. It might not be something that I thoroughly enjoy. I'm going to step away from that. Or maybe you want to go into swimming or maybe you want to go into bodybuilding or maybe you want to go into powerlifting, whatever it is. That's okay. We can always move around in our journey in fitness. Karen says, just want to let you know that I'm really enjoying the abs was. They burn like mad. Good on, good job on them, Steve. Well, I'm glad you're uh, enjoying the abuse. <laughs> um, and hopefully you're able to keep on going through some of those movements. Um, yeah, you know, like when we think about the ab movements, some folks who are true beginners 
in ab exercises have a really hard time on using their abs. And that's often because they're using their hip flexors a lot. So when we think about the body, you know, we've got our body and then we've got the hip joint and I'm doing a little bit of an image here where my hand is the body and then where my fingertips meet is the hip joint. So when we do things like a crunch, right, we're, you know, moving through the hip joint like this. Or when we're doing like a leg raise, we're moving through the hip joint like this. And what we need to do to activate the abs, and I'm actually going to turn my hand over, is we need to flex the spine. Yeah, so we need to be in a position where we're getting our ribs closer to our hips so that abs are actually contracting. And what happens when we are getting fatigued, when we're trying to do our abs, uh, ab work, is our back actually goes into extension and we start to leverage through the hip flexors more and more. And that becomes a problem because you can keep on going. You keep going through the motions of doing, quote, ab work, but then the hip flexors get a really powerful stimulus. Um, and then later on down the line, you know, a few weeks of this, you get really, really, really strong hip flexors who want to automatically do the movement. So whenever you do an ab crunch day one, the hip flexors go, well, great, I'm here, let's do this. And the back actually stays in extension, the abs don't actually contract that much, and then the hip flexors go, well, yeah, cool, and then up you go into a sit-up, or up you go into a leg raise, or something similar. So ab work takes uh, a bit of time in learning, and sometimes doing a wad or a rise on the go workout, as they're now renamed, <laughs> um, sometimes the, the, the cardio timer element of it takes away from the actual ab contractile element of that. So if you want abs, um, it's probably better to kind of slow the movement down and think about what we're doing, trying to bring the ribs closer to the hips rather than just moving where you might just be, you know, using the thighs and the hips to do the motion rather than the abs. And that's actually something that I learned while I was a Pilates instructor of all things. Um, so ab work, it can take some time. Um, but once we move into this intermediate and advanced level, something that we don't really think about when I say abs, you know, you know how to flex your abs and you go, oh yeah, it's that. Uh, so when you automatically do those ab movements, it happens normally. When we're super beginner, it is, uh, can be a, a challenge. When he says, I enjoyed walking, I enjoyed walking a marathon three bays or three days that was an achievement oh walking the three bays um that was an achievement i used to enjoy running in team sports though love that wendy that's awesome um my longest running event was around the uh, walk my longest walking event was i walked the oxfam um which is the 100 kilometer walk and we did that within 24 hours which was actually probably the most challenging endurance event mainly because of how long it was you know so committed to it um and, you know, you get to that point in the middle of the night where you're just walking along a, a straight line and you're falling asleep while you're walking. That was, that was interesting. Um, and then, you know, you just, you just, your body wants to stop. But you got to keep going, keep going, going. Um, so that was definitely a mission. And yeah, that was, that was, that was within 24 hours. Um, yeah, probably much, much harder uh, mentally than a marathon was that, that Oxfam walk. Um, but if you do choose to do Oxfam, just, just pitch tent. Um, you're not, uh, you know, getting any extra medals or anything like that by just trying to go the whole way through. Just uh, look after yourself and uh, take the time. Yeah. Well, guys, I'll be on for the next couple of minutes. So if you have any uh, follow-up questions or queries or doubtful points, I'll, I'll, I'd love to give you an answer. Or if you want to keep chatting about another another topic, when he says, well done on the 100 kilometers, 
yeah, that was a that was a mission. Um, I remember uh, <laughs> funny story. I'll tell you now. My partner and I, Laura, we were first dating when I when I did that, and um, you know, she picked me up from 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 Oxfam. Smelly Steve just walked hundred kilometers. Hadn't really slept the night before. I was falling asleep in the car, and um, you know, she she comes home, and I was just getting ready to just go to sleep. I'm like, I'm going to bed. And she was you know kind of talking to me, and I just kind of fell asleep in the bed. And really cute, probably. Planted the seed of our little relationship there. But, uh, there you go. So if you want to uh, fall in love, you can walk the Oxfam and have someone pick you up. <laughs> uh, Laura. Well, look, folks, uh, if there aren't any other questions or queries or doubtful points, we might wrap it up very soon. I might give you another couple of minutes if you are writing a, a message or so. We are rolling into the third week of the Rise Method Challenge, the September Challenge. Um, many of us are seeing some amazing changes so far. If you are not seeing the changes that you want, uh, reach out. We can always look at your data, your progress, and look at things like your calories and your, your training progress and see where we might be lacking, if there are any easy wins, and if we need to reassess some of those numbers. The best way to approach these things is if we're collecting data. So if you uh, you know come to us and we go, well, I'm not losing weight, but you're not tracking your steps, you're not tracking your food, uh, you're not tracking your body weight, we're, we're kind of blind. We don't know how to make those those wise decisions to progress. Kind of like if you are, you know, trying to save money to, let's say, buy a house, uh, and you go to a financial planner or a budget planner and go, "Well, I'm trying to save money. I, it's not working," and you, you you didn't bring maybe some of the, the bills that you have or your bank balance statements or anything like that. We go, "Well." Where we don't know where to start because there's lots of things to, to talk about. So it's very similar with weight loss where we go, okay, well, if you're not tracking some of these, you don't have data, we, we, we don't know where to start. And it could be something like, oh yeah, I'm really good on the weekdays, but on the weekends, uh, you know, I just kind of go all out and I don't really track, I don't really care. Well, those weekends might be undoing some of the effort that you put in Monday to Friday. So uh, that's a common thread that's happening at the moment where weekends, uh, the downfall, especially with finals happening, a lot of folks who are getting involved in the, the footy and other final events, um, where that might be undoing some of the work that we're putting in. Look, team, might wrap it up there. If you enjoyed this uh, video, uh, please give me a thumbs up. Let me know that you liked it. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, let me know where we're going to turn this live into a podcast. Karen says, I love how you explain things, Steve. Thank you, Karen. I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> um, and I'll catch you guys next week.